Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today once again I'm joined by Colin Watt, welcome back Colin Thanks very much Paul How's your week been? Ah, can I complain really, can you? Um, well you could Oh well, you could but who There's really? plenty to complain about mate I just don't know if anybody cares or listens Well um, there's plenty of people listening because on that point what I would like to say is thank you everybody for tuning in um, In October our audience across all platforms was over 450,000 That's incredible isn't it? That's unreal That's unreal I mean, 450,000 over 30 days, you're talking 15,000 at least a day. It's, it's an incredible upturn. In, um, and sometimes in you had a day off as well. Did I? I thought, well, <laughs> on, we hope so. On a, a weekend, on a day that Celtic are not playing, um, I do tend not to put out a broadcast, but I do put out a podcast instead. But um, on an international weekend, I, I do tend to come in and at least do one broadcast. So, you know, it's it's very much appreciated, everybody 
coming in and getting involved and uh, commenting and sharing and subscribing on YouTube. That's what it's all about, Colin. So hopefully the next target's 500,000 and we can push it on. Uh, it's not clickbait. It doesn't make a blind bit of difference because we don't work on uh, ad revenue. So it makes no difference to, to any of that before any uh, accusations are thrown our way regarding clickbait and all that kind of stuff, sensationalism. That's not how it works on the broadcast and the podcast. So, Colin, plenty to discuss. We've got a massive game coming up tomorrow. There's been a few weeks of unrest and amongst um, Celtic supporters, I guess. How are you feeling going into Thursday night's game? Do you know what? I'm actually pretty optimistic. Um, I've just found out today that Sparta will be without seven key players for the game on Thursday night, um, including their first-choice goalkeeper and their 18-year-old wonder kid, um, who's been what their kind of top star this season. Mm. Um, don't ask me to try and pronounce their names because... Uh, it just won't happen um, but it looks as if we might finally catch a, a wee break here with um, everything that's going on we've we've been without a lot of our key players because of Covid and injuries and now sure. it looks as if other teams are going to be suffering from it um, I, I fancy our chances on Thursday night I'm, mm. I'm actually pretty confident um, Good. which is a pro- I think it may be to do with the fact that our performances over the last few games have certainly started to improve let's talk about it what for you when did they start to improve um because i mean we had lawrence uh, in yesterday and he believes that after the the rangers defeat that there were signs of improvement against ac milan um i mean i look at the aberdeen game as you know being unable to hold on to a 3-2 lead mm-hmm. but then going to Lille, i pinpoint the Lille performance or, or an hour of the game against Lille has been a bit of a turning point for the performances I understand where Lawrence is coming from with the AC Milan game. Certainly in the second half, we played a lot, lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to uh, the the people I was watching it with at the time, that if Celtic got one in that game, I fancied them to get a second. And it looked as if they were kind of on course to do that before um, AC Milan managed to get their third goal. Um, the, the Aberdeen performance for me, it was a, a game management issue there. Um, we we should have really tried to see that game out and the fact that we couldn't just kind of summed up the, the period that Celtic had been going through over that pe- uh, over that time uh, Lennon then came out, gave a, a press conference which he, he really, for me I think he had to give I think he had to come out there and defend himself and um, defend his players and make sure that um, they could see that the fight was still there in him and that certainly came through last week against Lille um, fantastic first half performance again the second half the defence was a bit um, bit shaky that's where they got the goals back and I did say to you um, last week I think it was we need a clean sheet to get it going is the clean sheet from the weekend what we, we needed have we now got a back four that we can turn to um, I've actually made one change to the back four for Thursday when we go to the mm-hmm. predicted team Okay, but I think Beaton alongside Duffy at the minute is not a bad proposition well, we know that you're a big fan of Beaton, Colin. Um, he made it into your team of the decade at centre-half. Yes. Um, and obviously you a bit of a Nostradamus when it comes to predictions, etc. But um, I've got to agree with you. I think he, he adds a cool edge uh, to the defence, sometimes too cool. Sometimes mm-hmm. it get, becomes a bit lax. But um, against Lille, for me, the turning point of that game was Ayer going off. Yes. And after that, that's where obviously they started to exploit a bit of the um, dysfunctional nature of the defence, but also a bit of fatigue. 
and that's where again going back to what you said about game management and I'm not being overly critical here of Neil Lennon but I think we left the changes of Christie and Cham and Brown too late in that mm-hmm. game maybe by 15-20 minutes so you look at Christie's reaction to to the goal he's turned round he's let the guy run he doesn't he looks heavy legged at that point so albeit what a result and I think, and I've said this a couple of times, that result against Lille will actually get better with age, Colin. When when we see what they're going to achieve potentially this season, we'll look back on an away 2-2 against Lille as being a fantastic result. And I think that, for me, was the turning point. I'm not going to deliver the fact that we threw away or lost a two-goal lead. Um, I was far more impressed with the Lille performance than the performance against Aberdeen. I think when you're watching the game, you could you could visibly see the lines, you could see the shape, mm-hmm. uh, that everybody was being very disciplined uh, in terms of, of their own roles within within the greater mechanism of the team. Uh, that carried on against Aberdeen. I felt that Aberdeen was fairly comfortable. Would you agree with that? I thought it was a comfortable... Obviously, yeah. we worked for it, but at no point did I feel under the cosh or under any threat from that Aberdeen side. Yeah, but that, this is the, the thing with Celtic. Um, last season, if you'd went 2-0 up, almost in any game, you were sort of saying, right, we're going to see this game out now. Um, you weren't really expecting the other team to come back into it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the way it felt in the semi-final the other day. Um, once it kind of got to 2-0, it was a case of, well, are we going to go on and get a third? Are we going to just kind of settle for it? And to be fair, the game management in the second half was very good. I think there was a break on towards the the end of the second half um, where Griffiths basically just killed the ball, got the ball, kind of ran it towards a corner flag um, where he could have maybe went on to try and get a shot and a goal, but he just killed the ball. He knew what the time was. We are at a situation where we're playing three games a week. A lot of these guys are going to be playing the full 90 minutes because you can only make five subs. So the the more time you've got the ball and not chasing it, it's better. Um, so Griffiths was very smart in what he done, run it into the corner, game management, starting to improve, the team's starting to gel. Is it because we've changed the formation? We're now at the four two three one. Does it offer us more defensive coverage? Does it let the attacking players be more creative? Does it suit Shane Duffy more? I would say so. Right. Um, I think where Duffy's... Weaknesses have been exploited as when you've got two guys next to him in the likes of um, Ayer, who loves to make that surging run forward. The galloping run. Yeah. You've got Julian, who likes to try and spread the ball about. Mm-hmm. Um, but both Duffy and Julian aren't blessed with pace. So when you've got strikers that can get in behind, when you've got the quicker defender of the three, which I would say is Christopher Ayer, if he's moved, made the run forward, he's going to play these passes which are risky passes at times, but it's the risky passes that can end up leading you into the best positions. If he gets caught out and you're looking at those two at the back, um, that's where we've really uh, struggled this season. Even the boy uh, Welsh, when he's came in, um, he's kind of been the same. So having Beaton, he knows that Beaton's not going to make a surgeon run forward. He knows that he's the, the player that he can pass the ball to. Even at the weekend, Duffy made like a 30-40 yard pass across the field. It was a great pass. Um, so, Does that come in with the confidence as well? I'd say so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Couple of decent performances under his belt, settling down. It's been difficult. I mean, let's let's look at the the actual situation with Duffy there, 
Colin, having not played for a long time. And uh, we got some info from a friend of the podcast, Spencer Vignes, who is a Brighton and Hove Albion fan and mm-hmm. also an author. And uh, he gave us a, the rundown on what we were going to get with Duffy. Because I kept saying to Kevin Graham, I'm sick of this term, a no-nonsense defender, because <laughs> it just paints a picture of me that, you know, just some guy that sticks a toe out and sticks his head on everything. And you're looking at the way Celtic play and you're thinking, well, that that surely that's the basic uh, defensive mechanism of any centre half and what you're looking for is a wee bit extra so in Julian I think what you get is you get that distribution that puts me in mind of the likes of Stubbs um, and dare I say Gary Caldwell um, and then you've got the, the, the type of player that Ayer is that when you look at him you can see that he spent a lot of his career um, his earlier career further up the park yeah. although I don't subscribe to the fact that we should ever try and avert him back into midfielder. I think Ayers found his position. Mm-hmm. He's a ball-playing centre-half. And then I thought, well, Duffy comes in and he is your old-school defender, centre-half. Um, and obviously he hadn't played for several months regularly before he comes up to Scotland. And we know that he's playing two and three games a week at a high level in Europe, at a high level internationally. He's not had the settled defence. He's not even had the settled goalie behind him, Colin. So there comes a point where the captain of the Republic of Ireland's true colours will start to come out and I think and hope that that's, that's started over the last couple of games. It's an interesting point you make about the, the goalkeeper as well. Um, I've got to say it's a, a big kudos to Scott, Scott Bain over the last few weeks. I think he's he certainly came in. And Are you a fan? I'm a fan of Scott Bain. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do agree that he won't be the permanent number one, um, but at the moment um, I think he's in the right place. Uh, for Celtic, he's someone that can come in, can push for that jersey, mm-hmm. can push Barkas on. Now, when we spoke about the Barkas signing, um, we're saying that it was Stevie Woods that actually went out and scouted them. So Stevie Woods has been following them, and if you look at Stevie Woods' track record at Celtic, then he knows a good goalkeeper when he sees one. So he does. I don't think we can write Barkas off. I think Barkas needs some time to settle into Scottish football, um, to learn the way that Celtic play, um, and to to grow his own confidence. And I think the time that he'll spend with Woods um, and the the fact that he's lost his jersey mm. will push him on, and we'll see the best of him later on in the season. But with Bain, you know, he's reliable. Um, he's probably the the best number two in Scotland. Um, but some Rangers fans will argue it's their number two, um, whoever it be, McLaughlin or uh, McGregor. But I think Bain is a, a very reliable goalkeeper. I was happy with uh, Scott Bain going into the new season, Colin. I mean, we, we keep saying that you need, or you would like to have three players in every position. Yeah. And I, I was quite happy with Scott Bain being the, the, the backup. There's been, obviously, discussions over the last couple of weeks about Celtic goalkeepers because of the nature of the criticism Barkas was getting, first and foremost, He's not been dropped. He dropped out due to injury. And I think that helps. I think that helps any player because any professional knows that if you're out injured and the person performs, you need to win the jersey back. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a perfect situation for Neil Lennon. But I've also seen quite a lot of discussion around two other goalkeepers who we had at our disposal last season, Fraser Foster and Craig Gordon. Uh, people suggest, oh, we should still go for Foster in January um, and then we're looking at maybe Craig Gordon's performance against Hibs and that cracking save that he makes with the left hand mm-hmm. and we're saying oh could he have done a job but sometimes the absence thing or, you know, of, of many players down the years uh, they become a greater player I mean there was a reason why Craig Gordon was potentially second stroke third choice at Celtic last season um, so I don't particularly subscribe to that I think he, he is deserving of his call up to the Scotland squad Craig Gordon 
But, you know, I'm not losing any sleep over the fact that he's no longer at Celtic, to be fair. I think we've got Scott Bain, you know what you've got with Bain. We're still learning about Barkas to a degree. But I'm, I'm certainly not writing Barkas off. Um, you know, he's come in four and a half million quid, quite a reputation. And he's coming for a lot of flag. But I think as things settle down, and I hope they are settling down in terms of the performance he's calling, that um, I would expect that slowly but surely Barkas would be reintroduced into the, the starting lineup as our number one. Would you be quite happy going into January and not bringing in a third goalie? Probably. Um, I think in January it will be the time to look for reinforcements and other positions that we might need. Um, who would have thought it would be this far into the season and we'd be without James Forrest or Mikey Johnson wouldn't be back in the frame. And or, Julian, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So um, I think January will be used to, to reinforce other positions. Uh, by all accounts... The, the young goalkeepers that are coming through at Celtic are pretty highly rated in Connor Hazard and Ross Doohan. Uh, I don't really know how Doohan's getting on at Ross County. I've not been able to keep track on that. But they have three goalkeepers, all called Ross. So I don't know which one of them's playing. Um, I, I think we, we could be able to, to look for other positions and strengthen other positions in, in January rather mm-hmm. than the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Craig Gordon, like, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted for him, right? You were shouting for him to be a coach earlier on in the season when you actually recommended Barkas, which was quite an early shout, I've got to say. It was I seen him as a player coach, and I'm pretty sure that's the role he's got at Hearts. Mm. Um, And you can see that he's got the experience, um, and he's shown his experience. He showed it at the weekend and in the game. Do you know what Craig Gordon wasn't getting regular game time at Celtic, and I don't think he would still get regular game time at Celtic. No, I I agree with that. I agree with that. It's, there's no point in having someone there that was picking up such high wages um, that would just sit about as a third choice goalkeeper, especially when there's no reserve football or anything like that this season. I know, I know. And, and the thing is with that, interestingly enough, I was actually speaking yesterday to a, a, a real gentleman of the game, one of these guys who's in the background calling called Ian Grassick, who was a Heart of Midlothian scout for 35 years. And he discovered Craig Gordon and brought him into what was then called Hearts Boys Club. Um, as a young kid and um, he was telling me all about his attributes and he's so chuffed for him obviously because he feels that he's maybe played a part in that that player's development and in many other players' developments. We're talking about Darren Jackson for example and how Ian was trying to get Hearts to sign him as a kid and they they actually refused to sign him. He went to Meadowbank and it took a long time for him to eventually get to Hearts but when you're talking about uh, Craig Gordon, I, I take your point there when Barkas is maybe not playing so well, would Gordon have got a game before Bain? Potentially, I think that comes down to Lenny. But I think Lenny's been quite impressed with Bain's attitude. He actually mm-hmm. spoke about an improvement in Scott Bain's attitude. Um, and I think, you know, that clean sheet will do his confidence wonders against Aberdeen. And I will be gradually asking you for your team on Thursday night. Who gets the jersey? Oh, Scott Bain. Scott Bain for you. Yeah, until... until it- this week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only. 
right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Goalkeeper makes a mistake. I don't see any reason no, to I drop someone. I agree with that. Totally agree with it. And... Um, while we're on the subject, let's, let's talk about your predicted 11. Uh, what is what is the story? What's the update with Ayer's injury? Uh, doesn't look as if Ayer will be fit for Thursday night. Um, I think you'll probably see him once we come back from the international break. I don't think he'll make the, the Motherwell game on Sunday either. So um, happy to stick with the, the back two then of Beaton and Duffy. Um, this is where my change comes in. So I've brought in El Hamid at right back. Okay. Instead of Frimpong, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of discussion. I think it was yesterday um, where we spoke about Frimpong um, getting a rest. I think Lauren said he's, he's young enough; he doesn't need a rest. But with what's been going on in the media over the last couple of days, and also, I don't think his performances have been great over the last couple of games either. He's certainly um, not to this, the high standards that he set himself when he first broke into the team. I just think El Hamid offers that extra defensive coverage um, and it's good to see him back in amongst the squad. So I'm, I'm putting El Hamid at right back. And we will come back to speak about uh, the issues you mentioned in relation to Jeremy Frimpong. Uh, we'll come back to that during the show as well, Colin. But um, So El Hamid at right, Laxalt at left? Yes, Laxalt at left. I mean, Laxalt's the man at the moment, isn't he? I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. He seems yes. to thrive on um, these high-pressure games. Even the, the game against Rangers, I think he was one of our standout players, although we had very few of them. Um, he was he was very it's not good. A bad game. Um, no, it's not a bad no, definitely game. not. No. And the the fact that he's got his first one under his belt as well, mm-hmm. um, I've followed him on Instagram, and he just seems like a, a genuine nice guy, a family man. And when he goes on the park, he just gives his all for the club, and that's all you can ask at the end of the day. I think he's got something that that um, you know when you're looking at a potential and I know that it's not a loan to buy Colin but you're looking at a potential permanent deal um, I'm going to be talking about some of the the speculation surrounding uh, at least Ryan Christie but if you're looking at a player who's come in and he looks the real deal and that you know people maybe argue with this but I thought that about Eduard uh, if you're going to bring in a player that looks the real deal and you push the boat out in terms of the transfer fee that you're prepared to pay um, what kind of transfer fee are we looking at? Nine, ten million quid for well, a player like Black Here's the thing, Salt. so I don't know how true this is, but I was reading something yesterday. What? You don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, <laughs> normally Colin, so fire away. It was suggesting that we'd be able to pick up Black Salt at the end of uh, this current loan deal for four and a half million pounds. And that's if that a, is that's the case, a no-brainer. that is a no-brainer. Absolutely. That's a no-brainer. Um, because he's worth a lot more than that. I don't know how many years is left still on his contract at, at Milan, um, but if the if that is the fee, four and a half million pounds, then definitely oh, got to take that hand off. You absolutely do. Um, so there, you've you've given us the defence. Work walk your way through. Is it the same uh, generally as the Aberdeen lineup then after that one change? I, I believe so. Yeah. So it's, I'm I'm going with the four two three one. We certainly look a lot more calmer having adopted that um, formation. It's a shame because there is a, a good partnership to be had up front with Edward and Ayeti, I think, eventually. Um, but with the players that we've got at our disposal, especially defensively, I think it's best at the moment to stick with the four-two-three-one. Mm. So Brown and McGregor holding, um, Christy wide right, Roderick through the middle, Elinousi wide left and French Eddie up front. 
So you're going for Edward up top. Um, I think I've said already that as much as possible, I, w- I would be sticking with the, the team that started against Aberdeen at the weekend. Uh, the only change I would make is if Ayer was back fit, I would put him right back in with Duffy. Um, no disrespect to Beaton because I do rate him highly, but I, I definitely don't think he's a first pick for me. Uh, Ayer would be right back in the side. Uh, in terms of Frimpong, and we'll lead on to the, the Frimpong story as well, uh, I'd keep him in. I'd keep him in, you know. I think there's areas of his game that he needs to improve on, but you only get that by playing games. And uh, I, I watched against uh, Leo a, a real discipline from Pong's defensive um, play, uh, and in particular, uh, you know, he, he bombs down the right and he, he finds himself on the, the, the byline. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, he's got a long way to get back. I think against Leo, he was far more disciplined. And um, Elhamid, I can understand the change, but. I don't know. I don't know if it would be good at this time. Uh, that's the balance that obviously Neil Lennon needs to decide on. So the situation with Jeremy Frimpong is um, he came out fairly recently um, to talk about the fact that you know his young ex-teammate Man City had committed suicide, Colin. Um, so obviously, you know, these things, they are part of a, a situation, I think, that is often um, ignored in football when young players are released from their contracts and there's a whole tranche of them every single year, what happens to them? You know, It's often ignored by the big clubs and you're looking at the transfer deadline and millions are getting thrown about all, the, all over the place. Um, but meanwhile, you've got all these young kids and going into their early 20s, Colin, because a lot of the Celtic uh, players that have been you know, freed from their contracts in the, in the pre-season there were maybe 21. Mm-hmm. They'd spent maybe 13 years at the club. And their dreams are shattered. And how does it affect them uh, on, on a mental level? And obviously, the, the, the boy in question couldn't handle that. He's committed suicide. Dreadful, tragic. So Jeremy Frimpong talks about that. Um, and then, you know, a matter of days later, uh, there's a what can only be described as a horrific headline from the Sun newspaper. Um, and the, the headline for me um, was that Jeremy Frimpong was, and I quote, because it's not terminology I would use, branded gay by US Flame. Now, your sexuality isn't something that you're branded with. You're gay, you're heterosexual, it's your sexuality. You don't get branded with it. It's not as though it's something to be ashamed of, Colin. It was disgraceful, the headline that was used. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you get everybody piling in on social media of a certain persuasion, talking about, oh, you know, Frimpong's breached this and breached that. Frimpong's not breached anything. Um, but I just think the headline itself and those responsible for it um, is something that needs to be challenged. It certainly needs to. And I know that they swiftly removed it and, and you know, replaced it. But we're still at that stage where somebody has to ask you to, to remove a headline like that. Is it not obvious that that is completely inappropriate? I mean, it, it's absolutely appalling. There's no other words for it. I, I'm biting my tongue here because I, I read it last night and the words that I'd, I'd want to say aren't fit for this broadcast. Um, that newspaper is scum. The, the Scottish Sun, the Sun in general, is a terrible, terrible newspaper. They've been proven time and time and time again to produce ridiculous articles that have a go at society and people in society that do not deserve it. They still, to this day, have are still insistent on having within their archive that headline about the Hillsborough tragedy and blaming the fans for that. Mm-hmm. It is a f- 
terrible, terrible newspaper. I can't understand anybody that wants to work for that newspaper, and I don't know why it's still in production. We, you spoke earlier about clickbait. Uh, that's exactly what that was yesterday, was clickbait. And they think that it's funny that you can just brand someone gay. That you, We just spoke about Jeremy Frimpong talking about his ex-teammate committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people across the UK right now have that mindset because they're scared to come out about their sexuality. You know. Because they're scared of what society will think about them. And yet they think it's just something that they can throw out there so that people will click on it and it becomes a sensational headline. It's absolutely shocking. It is shocking. I mean, when you look at the old school kiss and tell sensationalism of the tabloid press, it was something that, you know, day to day you would you would read about it. And they're always looking for the more high profile the better, Colin. And in a week where we've seen um, other scandals emerging from the world of football in terms of domestic violence, etc., which obviously is something that we won't comment on specifically. Um, it's something that, you know, there, there's a, a situation where you don't feed the issues that these these people who are suffering from mental health issues already um, are, are already suffering. And that's been compounded by the scenario that we're currently in with lockdowns and the fear of the unknown. Um, and I think I made a comment a while back. There's been some studies based on the language used um, time and time again in the media. And, you know, for years and years, it's not been challenged. Even when you're talking about mental health, Colin, even all the, the terms that are used is um, uh, something crazy. If something's crazy and all this kind of uh, terminology that's used without people thinking, um, you know, crackpot, all these different words that are used in headlines continuously to this day in the media. Um, but when the study was done and they were actually speaking to people with mental health issues and they were asked if you saw that on a newsstand, would that affect you? The use of those term those terms where you may be um, on the, the verge of having uh, a breakdown. And they said it, it did. So I think there's a responsibility um, across the board for people to watch the language that, that's being used. Um, and not just um, during the lockdown, but as we move out of the the period of lockdown and the pandemic and the restrictions that that entails. Uh, And hopefully that's something that will happen sooner rather than later because obviously there are people suffering out there. But um, yes, to dive on Jeremy Frimpong, um, whose mental health might have even been suffering due to the fact that they've lost someone close to them. Um, And to to use that as a headline and and to try and twist the knife in, in Jeremy Frimpong is wrong. It's wrong. But again, I don't know if that will affect... Jeremy Frimpong in terms of you know playing this week, that's that's something that Neil Lennon and, and Frimpong himself will need to decide. Yeah, definitely, and I, I hope it doesn't because he, Elad doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it at all. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, it really angers me that newspaper. Um, we, we found out today it wasn't even a sport journalist that published that story, and the amount of stories that they've put out there before. Um, but have just had completely misleading headlines that are they, they never apologise for them. When you see an apology, it might be a front page headline and it's there to sell papers and then see when they get it wrong, it's a tiny wee three line apology and a, a paper three days later. They, they mocked um, certain parts of Fernando Rickson when he was going through motor neuron disease, which is absolutely appalling. Even I've seen I've seen on social media last night. Even some Rangers fans thought that the story 
of the Jeremy Frimpong and the headline itself was absolutely ridiculous. If that's the, if you're trying to attract people to support the, the headline that you've put out there, nobody's going to agree with that because seeing modern day society, that sort of story, that sort of headline, that sort of clickbait shouldn't be accepted. On social media, the the flag up Donald Trump when he he puts out a political tweet that he doesn't that they believe preaches some sort of guidelines. There has to be guidelines brought in for things like this, mm-hmm. especially when we know the amount of people that's suffering with mental health in Scotland that's gone through the roof, and things like that where they're just attacking people for just living their lives. It's appalling. That. It is, it is appalling, and, and it begs the question of censorship in terms of um, you know. I read a lot whenever something like this happens because it's it's happened regularly. Um, should the club do something about it? We've spoken to sports journalists, Colin, uh, talking about how difficult that might be actually just to to pinpoint publications or individuals. Um, I mean, what's your thoughts on taking those kinds of measures against certain individuals or publications? Is that something that uh, the club should consider? <laughs> See, at the end of the day, the the newspaper's going to report on Celtic either way. So whether Celtic think it's better, the devil you know, and having them on side and um, trying to stop them from doing headlines like this, that's their prerogative. Um, what I respected was uh, Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp, when he was interviewed and he says, you're from the sun, I'm not speaking to you. Let them come to the news conferences if they want. Let them uh, go to the games to cover the games. It doesn't mean that the players at Celtic and the manager at Celtic and any of the staff at Celtic need to speak to them. They've got a a duty to produce content for the people that will read their newspaper. Celtic want to get the the great news that they can uh, get out there. Whether it's it's up to them whether they decide to to speak to the the journalists or not, and what I would say is that journalist in question probably won't be at Celtic Park anytime soon because he's not even a sports journalist. I would implore anyone um, to read Professor Phil Scraton's book, The Truth, talking about Hillsborough and obviously the headline um, that was used by the Sun newspaper back in 1989. But read The Truth by Professor Phil Scraton, uh, one of the best books I've ever read. Harrowing, but you'll be glad that you read it. Um, now, talking of social media and how it affects people, Colin, I do know that um, following his sending off against Livingston last season, away from home, Ryan Christie decided, and I don't know if he's still off social media, to remove all his social media channels due to the abuse he was getting at that time. Uh, but on the subject of Christie, it was claimed by Mark Wilson, who has appeared on a Celtic state of mind previously, that Nice are set to make a £10 million bid for Ryan Christie in January. What's your thoughts on that? Because for me, and I've said this time and time again, this season, Christie's been our best player. Most creative player we've got. I I agree he's been very creative this season. Um, I still think Ryan Christie blows a lot of hot and cold, but I think when we spoke about this before, your your claim's always been that... um, the more creative he is, the the more chances you're going to see that yeah. that maybe hit Rosehead instead of the back of the net like it did at the weekend. Um, and when you've got the sort of flexibility of the four two three one, I think it allows him to do that. Mm-hmm. When you're playing the sort of three five two, and he's either the the second striker up front or he's one of the uh, midfielders, I think that kind of curtailed his game as such. Um, he's definitely flourishing in this new um, formation. What we've always said though is when we've got the players in for this season they're in for the season. We don't let them go in January. 
Can you imagine selling someone like Christie in January, not replacing him, Edward in January, not replacing him? This season means so much to Celtic supporters that we can't afford to do it. At the time, if he wanted to move on, was in the, the summer window there. He stayed at the club. For me, you've got to keep him there for the rest of the season. And again, the club were obviously applauded for their business in not only bringing players in, Colin, but keeping all our star mm-hmm. players. You mentioned Christie, Edward, Chris Ayer, there was interest in uh, Olivier and Cham. Uh, in the last window and it seems to be coming round pretty quickly again the next window I think it's under under eight weeks yes Um, how difficult is it going to be this time round I mean it was difficult enough I'm sure but obviously by December I think we all expected by October that we would be back at games you know I think mid-October was that date that was always in my mind we'll be be back at Celtic Park by mid-October it's not happening everybody's resigned to the fact that we won't see a football game it's the marketers report this week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Live until 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we know the financial implications of that. How difficult is it going to be with that in mind to keep a hold of all these guys we've mentioned? I do have a feeling that we might have to sell someone in January because we didn't make the Champions League this year. I think if you made the Champions League, there would be no question about it. We'd see the season out and it would be okay because the money you get in from the Champions League, even without the ticket sales, mm-hmm. obviously there's a, a difference in prize money when you move down to the Europa League um, and when you're carrying a, a player budget of the size that we're carrying, um, if the club's looking to, to break even, um, then there might be the case where we do need to move someone on. Um, it may be that a lot of people would now be happy to move Olivier and Chamon because they've seen his performances over the last few weeks and the the feedback I've seen is that he looks disinterested. Um, what do you think? I don't know. I, 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 I People criticise me because I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Encham. Yeah, as well. I, I yeah. understand the inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, you know, and I've often said, you either get a four or a nine from him. Yeah, uh, there's no middle ground, and, and the consistency is an issue. He, there's no doubt he's a quality player, Colin. I don't think anyone would deny that. But he is, of all the players that uh, might have a sell on uh, kind of value, he is of all the players the most dispensable. Uh, you know, yeah, I would, you'd I would rather agree, yeah. you'd rather that than Ayer or or Edward or Christie. I'd agree with that. Um, there's definitely players that can come in and play in his position. Um, we've we've not really seen a lot of uh, Ismail Asoro since he came in, mm. um, and the the glimpses that we have seen was that a Lennon signing though, or was that the head of recruitment? I'm just oh. going back to a wee tweet that I received last week. Um, you know, you're right. Soro, Turnbull, people have been asking yeah. to to see a bit more of Turnbull. Luke O'Connell yeah. as well. So, well, what's your thoughts on that one? Because I mean, like everyone else, I've seen him playing. What was the uh, the um, game? Ren, Ren, the, the friendly game. Yeah. 
yes, he looked he looked like a handy player. He's got first team experience um, at Bolton, but to to start saying he should be playing for the first team, what we're we basing that on because he's not done anything in the first team that would suggest that he should be getting a game. I think he'll go out and loan in January. I think he was kept in the squad um, in case of injury at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he'll probably go out and loan in January. It's, do you know what? The boy's probably got a future ahead of him. Neil Lennon rates him very highly. Anybody that speaks about him in the playing squad rate him very highly as well. Um, maybe he's just a player that does need his chance. And with the amount of games that we're, we're playing this season, maybe he will get a chance. Mm-hmm. But there's other players that are in and around the squad that we've not really seen either. I mean, Ewan Henderson was kept on. Karamoko Dembele was spoke about time and time again. Still guys to come back, like Mikey Johnson. Um, now, when's the last time Klamala actually got a bit of football now as well? Is he going to be kind of on the edges of not seeing him? I think once you get Eduard and Ayeti back, Klamala's your fourth choice. Griffiths has come in. And I wanted to mention Griffiths because... Uh, you and I spoke for a whole podcast earlier on this season about, you know, the forgotten men of Celtic Park. And we mm-hmm. were talking about people like Kundai Benyu, uh, Anthony Ralston, but we didn't mention uh, Tommy Rogic and Lee Griffiths. And for a couple of weeks after that, you know, banging the drum on the fact that they should have been back part of the, the first team squad, particularly after Rogic's transfer broke down. They're back in. And I mean, Rogic, you've picked him for Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that. Uh, how impressed have you been with? Uh, the big fella since he's come back in he's been fantastic um, what he offers you is that extra spark of creativity he's always the person that can find a pass that will split open a defence his cross at the weekend was absolutely outstanding was there was so little room for him to do what he'd done um, I actually think he was shooting I think he was trying to chip the goalkeeper see if Could you look at it back again it does look as if he's trying to chip the goalkeeper um, and Elanusi obviously comes in at the back post to knock it in mm-hmm. a lot of people go on about how he's only a 60 minute man but if you can get 2 or 3 or even more goals up in the first 60 minutes then let him play um, and there's a lot of options to come off the bench that can replace him in that sense we've spoke about Turnbull um, who needs to get some minutes under his belt so the way he's playing at the minute he's, to me he's undroppable Yes, he's definitely a first pick, uh, without a doubt, and that that comes he's come right in from the cold uh, um, to to put his his name back in the mix. And if he's setting up two goals a game, Colin, I don't care if he plays sixty minutes. I don't care no. if he doesn't finish a game. Um, that's his impact, and that that's tremendous because there's uh, other players, as you say, in that position who can come on for half mm-hmm. an hour, forty five, whatever it entails, um, who do need the minutes. And I think Turnbull is someone that I'm hoping to see make an appearance certainly on Thursday night um, and then again against his former club on Sunday. Now the other player that you mentioned there, the second goal scorer against Aberdeen on Sunday, El Yanusi. Um Not taken away from his ability and his own performances but I think he's benefiting from having Lick Salt behind him. He's playing well. They've, they've formed a good partnership. Um, the partnership on Thursday against Lille was Lick Salt, El Yanusi, and Ayeti. And it worked really, really well. You've seen them link up for the goals as well. Elanusi, I think, is definitely a player who needs to get partnerships. He's not someone that will win a game on his own. He links up very well with players. Last season, he did it very well with Edward, linking up, playing the one-twos. Edward was getting in for uh, one-on-ones with the goalkeeper. He's a very, very important player in this squad at the minute, Elanusi. 
And as long as he keeps continuing to put those performances in, he also becomes one of those players that becomes undroppable. What it's a double edged sword, isn't it? I mean, he starts playing well, and particularly in Europe, he's playing well. And then all of a sudden, um, the manager Ralph um, Hasenhutl, is that how you pronounce it? Southampton, Southampton name? manager, I'll give yeah. it a bash. Um, is talking in glowing terms about the fact that he may have a, a future at the club. So it's a double edged sword. He yeah. performs well for Celtic. His parent club might want him back. Uh, perhaps his transfer value um, is maintained because I don't know if he looked like a £16 million man for the best part of the season. But um, he's turning it on now. He's turning mm-hmm. on the style. And as you say, he's, he's, he's a definite starter for me as well, Colin. Um, he likes the European games by all accounts. Looking at uh, his performances this season, certainly. Definitely, um, and I've, I said to you last season one of his more impressive performances was the game which I, I don't like to go on about too much, but it was the the game against Lazio away mm. where he turned the game round himself. He gets he threw himself into the game and was very impressive, and he's, he did that again against Leo. He was very impressive at the weekend. He is a kind of big game player, isn't he? It seems to turn up for these bigger games. But you're speaking about him potentially going back to Southampton at the end of his his loan spell. We've also got someone like Mikey Johnson that's still to come back. Mm -hmm. We've not seen Johnson since January. Was that when he went off against St Johnston? It was a while ago now. I mean, the big thing with me with Johnson is um, you look at the the stature in terms of his his athleticism, his Mm -hmm. build. Um, He's a player, Colin, for example, that... um, I wouldn't expect him to go down south and perform because he's just not got that. He's not got the athleticism. But because he's so young, what you would hope for Mikey Johnson is that there's a transformation um, a la Ryan Christie uh, where he goes away and comes back and he's put on a stone and a half in muscle. Yeah. Um, I think in order for, for Mikey to take it to the next level, that's the kind of transformation that we're requiring. He's got the ability, no doubt. Neil Lennon mentioned that the other day when we were speaking about him at a press conference. He says that he's going to take his time with Johnson, build him up slowly, get him mm. back into the, the rhythm of the game. As I said, he's not really played football since January. He rushed himself back off an injury as well and then played on when he he knew he was, he was injured and it, it seems to have hurt him quite a bit because that's yeah, now But he got a word of encouragement on the way off the park from Lenny, didn't he? <laughs> oh, it was uh, words that we probably shouldn't repeat on this podcast, but yeah. We we only have Elenousi on the left-hand side at the minute. Mm. You spoke about pushing um, Lassalle up further forward. I think he could do it with Taylor behind him. I think he could do it, but... I wouldn't choose to do that. No, it wouldn't be everybody's first. It wouldn't be anybody's first choice. I don't think. And the way that Elinus is playing at the minute, he's uh, wor- working very well with the players around him. And if you get that front four working together as a unit, they'll score a barrel load of goals this season. I'll come back to you um, for your prediction on Thursday night, Colin. But uh, we're about forty minutes into the broadcast, so let's have a, a look at what other people are saying via YouTube, Twitter and also Facebook. Um, Robert Highland is basically saying that YouTube is a channel we watch it on. Well, if you are watching on YouTube, then please uh, subscribe because we're trying to push the subscribers up, Colin, push the figures up. As I say, our next target is half a million a month, which is astonishing. Gary McDowell, gentlemen, I am worried about our next two European games after the Czech Republic COVID cases um, are at 12,000 cases per day. Um, yeah, I think we're all worried about uh, you know the international football, the European football, 
call. And that, that seems to be where the biggest risk is at the moment. Um, going back to another point you mentioned there, the, Europe, the, the international break's coming up. I know you were talking about it earlier on on your other podcast, uh, the Football Insomniac. Um, apparently Julian will be back after the international break. Massive return, if that's true. So we went to see a specialist in Germany mm. last week. Um, that would be great news um, if he's back after the international break. It's another option. At the minute, we're quite late in defence. There is only really Beaton and Duffy. You could throw Welsh in there, but again, he's someone that's only played a handful of um, professional football games, so it's not somebody that you want to have to rely on week in and week out. Great to see him back. Hopefully, Ayer won't be too far behind that as well. So going in and actually having a, a fully fit first team uh, defence would be a great boost uh, ahead of some what will be quite a tough run when we come back after this international break I'm just sorry Colin for a moment I'm just blocking some of the usual suspects for uh, the what aboutery no matter what you speak about but I but what about and they'll go back to the, the usual um, dialogue in relation to other matters that we're not discussing so yeah, blocked. Another one. Another one bites the dust. Yeah, do you know what? I don't understand people that try and point score on things that they wouldn't even discuss in normal life. They think you go on social media and it's you've got free reign to discuss things like that. I see it on both sides and people that try and make point scoring off people's misery is just shameful. Ah, oh, well, the big thing is, uh, with regards to that, is is how it affects people, you know. And, you know, in, in relation to uh, the matter at hand, Colin, you've got to look at how it affects people um, who are affected by, let's say, a criminal case that's ongoing um, or a headline that's been retracted. And uh, Terry Tibbs reckons that tabloids in general are the word you used, scum. Now, yeah. before I go on, what I would say is I've met loads of really decent people who work in the mainstream media. There are loads of brilliant writers out there, Colin, who I, I can't just generalise and say, oh, they're all scum. I, I just I refuse to do it because there are loads of really good people, good writers, whose livelihoods are in journalism. Yeah, definitely. You're right? So um, you've got to differentiate between the, the people who are not doing it correctly or the publications who are not doing it correctly and those who are. You know, you, it's just a blanket thing for me doesn't work. Um, but Terry goes on to say that they will print anything no matter whose life it will ruin and that's something that I think is important because let's talk about criticism Colin let's talk about putting your neck on the line and being criticised for it it doesn't feel good does it to be criticised to be called names for certain things to happen that will not broadcast on the show as a result of you airing an opinion Mm. It, it doesn't feel good as any human being is going to be affected by that so if you look at a national tabloid printing a headline like that, you've got to look at who it affects and how it affects them. And it's wrong. And in this time um, of global um, catastrophe, where it's affecting people more than, than ever, Colin, we need to take that into account. and We need to be more careful about how these headlines are going to affect people. The way I've always seen it is newspapers have papers to sell. They're paying their journalists money, they need the, the circulation sometimes they'll go for a desperate headline um, on the Insomniac podcast earlier on we had June Robertson in who's been uh, he's wrote stories for several um, of the publications that's out there and what I've always found about his stuff is that it's always in depth it's always um, like an 
an analysis of something and I'd rather read something like that which offers you a balanced viewpoint other than rather than a story like the Jeremy Frimpong story um, which is basically a girl that has sold her story to the newspaper and they thought that they're going to get loads of clicks and loads of uh, purchases of their paper because they've run something. I don't even know if it's on the front page. I don't even look at their paper anymore. I don't look at most papers, to be honest. Um, but it's the way that they make their money. And if they're happy with doing that, that's their prerogative. But I don't agree with it at all. Well, what I would say to everybody who's tuning in is that uh, there is efforts on a daily basis to weed out Anyone who's making inappropriate comments on the broadcast, we do it live. We go into the YouTube channel after the event as well and work our way through them. Uh, block them, and that's exactly what we do because it's a Celtic podcast and uh, we really don't have time uh, to be dealing with that kind of nonsense. So we are taking active measures to get rid of all these people so that everybody who enjoys the broadcast can continue to do so. Colin, now, the the leading question today, though, is is it time for Celtic to speak out against COVID double standards? Now, we've been silent on this ever since the the, last, the latest case um, came to light in relation to players who had breached regulations. Now, obviously, or infamously, uh, our own player, Bolingoli, who's now out in Turkey playing his trade, um, you know, he let everybody down. Uh, doing what he did, travelling abroad, uh, not um, being in uh, quarantine when he comes back. And Celtic were forced to miss two games as a result mm-hmm. of that. Um, there appears to be absolutely no punishment for the, the most recent breach, which has led to Chris Sutton, former Celt Chris Sutton, coming out and saying that it's ridiculous. There's double standards. And I totally agree with him. Is it time that the club came out and took a stand on such matters? It's a... A delicate situation, this, at the moment. Um, We have known through the various breaches or stories that have been released over the last few weeks that a lot of clubs are feeling this. I mean, I think Kilmarnock had games postponed. It looks as if they might have to actually drop the three points against Motherwell. That was the discussion that was ongoing. St Mirren have had um, several outbreaks. Celtic have had their instant with Bolingoli, the alleged instant with Jeremy Frimpong, which, according to the SPFL, we broke no rules, so we have to go with the guidelines that they put out there. Rangers had the, their issues as well at the start of the season with the testing, this thing with, with Jones and Edmondson, Aberdeen have had it. There's going to be so many of these coming up over the season, um, and what needs to be done is there needs to be a agreed protocol out there where if something does happen, this is what ha- this is the, the repercussions for it. And what you're really saying here is, if the standard's been set for one, it should be set for all. And it's kind of hard to disagree with that. Well, you can't, eh? You, you really can't disagree with it. And it's frustrating the Celtic fans. I said to you before it, before we came on here today, um, as Celtic supporters, as football fans, you, you've paid into this game this season and you're getting nothing back. I mean, we're all aware of that, Colin. You're getting nothing back. You're getting a live stream um, for a ticket that often lags. You know, it buffers. It's delayed. Hence the reason we don't stay on live during the games because we can't give you a live reaction if you're a minute or or something behind the live action. Um, But what you would expect is you would expect that in times like this where there is an issue that Celtic fans feel very strongly about, that the club would stand up and actually take a stand against it and uh, at least make a comment about it. 
Well, what I found interesting was um, there's certain people out there in the media, um, again, probably using a publication that which was slaughtered on air already today, um, who have previously made comments saying that teams should be punished for players' behaviour. And then when it comes round to a, a team that they actually have a backing or support themselves, they say it's not quite the same thing. Mm, I don't 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 agree with that. Um, so if these if these people have the the opinion or the the right to show their opinion out to the the mainstream, then so does the fan media. That's what we're doing here on a Celtic state of mind. We're showing what the Celtic fans support um, is actually thinking about this current situation. We've discussed this on and off air. I agree with you. I think there should be a protocol set. Mm-hmm. And if the fans agree with it, then the club clearly knows what's going on. Will the club step up and make stand up and make a statement? I don't think they will. They've got should to. they? They've got to. Should they? Yes. But there's a lot of things that Celtic should have released um, statements on before. I, it just doesn't feel as if it's a, the, the way that the board kind of runs things and that's up to the fans to decide whether that's a good thing or not. And it's, as I say, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of statements for statement's sake. You know, yeah. statement o'clock on a Friday or a Sunday night, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. But I think in cases like this, you've got to come out and you've got to make your position known. Uh, Barca boy... Welcome back to the show. Massive fan of Christy. People overlook his work rate. Just look how better Frimpong looks with him. That's a good point as well because we've said about uh, like Salt's relationship um, or um, what would you call that? Uh, that, that partnership. Partnership. There you go. Not relationship. <laughs> um, his partnership on the left-hand side with El Yanusi and I think it has improved uh, Moy's performances. I think that's a part yeah. of it. Uh, and on, on the right-hand side, I think Christy has helped Frimpong. I really do. I think he's helped Frimpong come on. Um, as well, so I don't underestimate Christie. I know that a lot of people pinpoint um, the nature of his risky shots, his risky passes that don't come off. Mm-hmm. But what you get in return for that, the flip side of that con, is that when they do come off, he's creating goals or he's scoring goals like he did on Sunday. That's one of the best goals I've seen at Hamden Park. Yeah, and he done it. It's a very similar goal to the goal he scored against Hearts at Murrayfield. Remember in the again another semi final. This time it was in the league cup. Yep. So he's got that in his locker. He can definitely produce that, and he can produce goals like the goal at Rugby Park earlier on this season as well. Um, again, just like what we spoke about with Incham, all we want is just a wee bit more consistency with Christie, uh, and I think he will get that as the games go on. I'd also love if he could beat a first man at a corner. <laughs> I think we we really need to work on our set pieces in that sense. I, I said before, Colin. You know. There's a big focus on it. I focused on it myself. Uh, the two games, uh, Ferenc Varos and uh, Dundee United, uh, 17 corners, you know, and we didn't create a goal mm-hmm. uh, from any of them. And, you know, since then, I've basically came to the conclusion that just take them off the corners, take them off the set pieces. Um, because it, it, there's a lot of focus on those um, set pieces not coming off. Let him concentrate on other parts of his game now. Glasgow Road, great chat again, guys. It's great to hear that. Uh, We do listen to all our feedback, and there's been a few people on there trying to noise everybody up today, Colin, and they have been blocked. So keep letting us know. It's not about uh, grassing anybody up. It's just about keeping the place clean um, and free from that kind of chat, because no one wants to hear it. I, I, I still find it absurd 
that anybody would spend their afternoon calling on a Celtic podcast of the support Rangers. I find that absolutely strange. Do weird. you know what? But there's, I have to. Uh, they're not all like that. There is some decent ones that I've, I've seen on the chat because I watch the, the streams and they do contribute and they give their opinions. Um, but certain times and certain ones just come on want to noise people up. Look, if you get nothing better to do with your time, really? I mean, is it the fact that Celtic State of Mind's one of the best podcasts that's out there, the best produced podcast that the Rangers podcast just aren't as good so you've got to go and spend your time watching the Celtic one? Is that what it is? Are we take it as praise, Paul? Is that the way we maybe look on it? Aye, well, I'd rather they weren't here, to be honest well, with you, Colin, true. because as I say, we are building something gradually that, uh, you know, just last month we had over 450,000 people tuning in which, across a number of different platforms, but it's just astonishing for me, and I thank everybody for tuning in um, and constantly getting involved. I mean, these, these live broadcasts are great because people can have their say. That's what it's for. It's not so people can come on and have an argument about ongoing criminal cases that everybody's aware of, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing that I think ruins a lot of these platforms. So we are watching uh, with uh, keen eyes during the live broadcast and afterwards as well. But a point on the ball and golly situation is, yeah, the situations were different, but Celtic weren't prevented from playing due to Bolingoli attending training or playing a game. It was simply because he broke the actual regulation. He broke the rules, as have the, the two newest members um, to have broken the rules have done. So, you know, we can split hairs that way, Colin, say the situations were different. There's no consistency. Can you imagine we were talking about this last season? And you're saying that the discussions on the, the season when Celtic's going for 10 in a row is going to be about whether players were at a house party or whether players had a, a girlfriend on the side or whether they made a surprise trip off to Spain. It just shows the the stark reality of the world that we're living in at the moment during this pandemic. Nobody could have predicted this this was going to happen, um, especially maybe as we celebrated um, 8 in a row. We didn't know this was going to happen. Now we're at home watching the games on streams that lag. Even the Premier Sports stream lagged at the weekend. You know, we're paying five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred, maybe more pounds for a a virtual season ticket, so that we can still support our club, but watch the games from our own house. The pubs aren't even open. You can't even go and have a a pint with your friends to watch the game. When you do watch the games, there's no commentary on. It's a strange time that we're living in, and. I feel a, a slight sympathy to the players as much as they get chastised by the um, the media and some of the fans. It's a difficult world for them because it's totally different to what they're used to and they just have the spotlight on them all the time. If a player does something, then it's instantly in the, the press, it's in the media. Whereas if a regular fan was to, to break the same protocol, then we wouldn't even hear about it. No, you're absolutely right. Now, uh, Colin, I'm going to be asking you for your prediction in just a few moments in relation to Thursday night's game. I've said over the last couple of weeks that, um, you know, my priority this season, like everybody of a Celtic persuasion, is 10 in a row. Mm-hmm. But over the last few weeks, I've been thinking about what do I realistically expect from this season? Um, what brought that on? Probably yeah, looking at uh, some of the bad performances that we've had. Um, and then, you know, reacting probably to a lot of the criticism Celtic fans came under, you know, being called spoiled, entitled, uh, panty waiters, all this kind of stuff. We constantly get that. And I don't think there's any issue with trying to achieve 
a high standard at all times. There's no issue with that. Um, if you've got a high standard and that high standard results in you winning the league season on season, because you're never handed the league, Colin, regardless of who's in the league, you're never handed it. It's hard work. And uh, to, to consistently win league title after league title um, is an incredible achievement. So I did start thinking, well, what do I actually think is realistic this season? What would I be satisfied with? Well, obviously I'd love to win the five tournaments. I've said that before. But realistically, I think 10 in a row plus last season's Scottish Cup to uh-huh. give us a quadruple treble. I will be satisfied with that. Right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean to say I don't have ambitions that I wouldn't try in the League Cup or the Scottish Cup or indeed the Europa League. Um, and I've mentioned again the Europa League is important to maintain a momentum. So you get a good result against Aberdeen. How much of that was down to the good performance on Thursday night against Lille? Likewise, we're going into the game tomorrow night. We want to get that momentum continuing so that we go into the Motherwell game. And through that, we might even progress into the next level of the Europa League. What's your thoughts on expectations this season? I'm going to throw you out a question in a second, but I would say now that you're in the final of the Scottish Cup from last season, um, which was actually quite funny because I was looking up the stats for this season and I actually forgot that because the Scottish Cup was last season, Christian Elanusi's goals count towards last season totals instead of this year's, right. which is quite interesting. 10 is massive. Like we've We've been singing about it since before we'd even win the first title. Um, and we're on the verge of history and this is the season that we've all looked forward to so 10 is the big one I've got to agree with that then come down to the League Cup and the Scottish Cup now we've been on a fantastic run we look as if we're on the verge of a a quadruple treble that doesn't get spoke about enough the fact that for the amount of cup games that Celtic's won on a repeated basis I don't know if there's any other teams across the world that have won a treble four seasons in a row. Somebody will probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I th- we could be the first team to do it. So that's fantastic. When it comes down to this season, though, do you really get excited about the Cups until you're in the latter stages of them? See if the Betfred Cup wasn't a thing this season, would Celtic fans be disappointed? I don't think so. The Scottish Cup obviously has... The, the history attached to it, just the, the same way the FA Cup does down south. But the league is the priority. It's 10 for me. It's getting the, the quadruple treble because we're in the final of it. If we're going to be out of the, the cups, the League Cup and the Scottish Cup, I'd rather it was done early. Because when you get to a final, it's worse to lose a final than what it is to lose in the third round. You know when we're looking at, um, and it's happened quite a bit, in England and it was part of the the um, situation just about a month ago Colin when they were looking at the big picture and they're talking about getting rid of the charity shield and getting rid of the league cup and that mm-hmm. kind of thing um, and there has been issues over the years with, with teams putting out yeah, reserve teams really mm-hmm. in the league cup uh, down south um, you know I don't think it's a case of putting a reserve team Celtic could put quite comfortably put out what would maybe be not their first choice team uh, in a tournament like the League Cup and you would still be looking at that side and it would be a strong, strong side. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, with without the injury issues that we've had, obviously, and the illness over the last few weeks, we have enough, we've got a deep enough squad to do that. Um, and if your priority is 10, and I think in terms of uh, the financial element of it as well, though, Colin, this season, you know, actually getting that 10 is massive for Celtic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that 
could be considered. And I don't mean playing the kids as such. I mean, there's players in our squad who don't get a great deal of game time. I mean, a midfield made up of some of the players we've mentioned already, you know, Turnbull, for example, um, or or Sorrow. Mm-hmm. And you could make five, six changes. And uh, not only are you resting players, but you're giving some of the, the fringe players games. Would you be happy if Celtic approached the League Cup this season with that in mind? Definitely. Definitely. As I say, that I think it's always worse to lose a final as a Celtic fan than to lose in like the third round or the fourth round. Um, the worst Hamden memories I've got of losing in finals or losing in semi-finals. Um, whereas sometimes when you lose in the third or fourth round of a competition, it's just forgot about and moved on. I mean, how many times before we actually went into this run when we were maybe under uh, Gordon Strachan previously or even... Um, under Tony Mowbray and Martin O'Neill did we kind of go out in the earlier rounds and it was just the season was a success because you won the league so to me the Betfred Cup's a bit of a distraction this season and I don't know what the time scale is for the games but if that's got to be finished this side of the year as well then that's a no-go for me mm. Liam Kelly welcome to the show via YouTube Liam quadruple treble and 10 equally important but quadruple treble is a global record and much harder to do. Ten has been done before in Norway and will be done in Italy and Germany. So, yeah, there's lots going on this season, Colin. It's a shame that uh, we can't be there to see it. Um, all that's left for me to ask you on this broadcast today is your prediction for tomorrow night. I'm going to go with Celtic to win 3-0. And I'll go with Ryan Christie to be the first goal scorer. 3-0, that's, that's a bold prediction. I think Sparta's missing seven key players, they're missing their first choice goalkeeper, they're missing their key players in midfield, so mm. um, maybe a bit of a weaker side that we face, we're starting to get a bit of momentum going, I think a big victory here will really get us on the right track and continue what we've started. Excellent. Now I look forward to watching that game. We will be covering the game half an hour before kickoff at half time and then for half an hour after the kickoff as well. But we will also be back tomorrow afternoon at 12.30 with your usual Celtic State of Mind bulletin. It's been an absolute pleasure once again calling for you to join us in the studio. So all that's left for me to say is thanks to everybody who's tuned in. And we'll see you again at 12.30 for the Celtic State of Mind bulletin. Hello. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment.
People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives Gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.